Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And welcome, my friend. If this is your first time, let me introduce the team to you. I have uh, Judy. She's screening your calls over there. She's actually screening a call Hi, right now. Judy. Say hello. Hi there. <laughs> okay. We have our news director, Lori Brooks, in the Animal Radio Newsroom. Hello. And we have Dr. Debbie. She's answering Howdy. your vet medical questions. And Joey is actually running a couple minutes behind. He'll be in here in just a couple of seconds. He is our groomer here at Animal Radio. We'd love to hear from you. If you're driving around town today and you have a question, go ahead. Give us a call toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. And if you don't have time to call in now with your question, you can always ask your question from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. And we'll go to the phones in just a couple of seconds here. Dr. Debbie came in early today, and I think it has something to do with our guests. You, you think I'm just getting excited about talking about bugs? Yeah, well, you, you're a little strange. Is you like strange smells. You like, uh, you like all the gooey, ooey stuff that goes along with your job, don't you? I, I'm intrigued with the way that senses can play a role in diagnosing and treating disease. And I, I don't know. I just I like the weirdness of life. If that seems normal to say that. <laughs> well, you're sort of a detective. And I mean, you got to be in your business because cats won't come in or dogs won't come in and say it hurts here. You got to, you know, figure out all the clues to figure out what's going on with them. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just recently went through some medical things and frequent doctor visits. And I thought, you know, what would be different if I just sat on this table and just stared at them and didn't say a word? <laughs> I mean, I don't know that those that work in the human medical field would really get a full comprehension of what we do on a daily basis. You know, or it seems so easy. Exactly. That's what I mean. If I just sit there and say, you know, they ask, how are you doing? And I don't say anything. And I just look at them. Yeah. And then they touch my foot and I go, yeah. does that mean I'm unhappy? It hurts? Do you know? I mean, so it would be a whole new level of uh, kind of clinical insight that I think would be interesting for them to walk sure. in our shoes. One of these times we're going to have to do a Dr. Debbie test and ask her, what is like the most common thing that you spot with your eyes, with your visual sense? When uh, a pet walks in, what most, uh, what do you smell most often that tells you something's wrong? I would be curious about that. Oh, I, I could talk forever on that. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest coming up is Jennifer Gardy. She's a microbiologist, and she studies poo for a living. Is it poop or poo? What's the proper? It, it could be it, either. Either one is, is correct. She finds out a lot of information from poo, and she studied some cat's poo. She's, in fact, studied little bub's poo. For those of you that are online and know little bub, the little uh, cat with the tongue that sticks out. She He's took adorable. Some, yeah, he is adorable. <laughs> she took some poo from him. And figured out his whole genome. Frankly, I, I'm having a little hard time understanding exactly what she's doing. But I'm sure she'll explain it to us coming up in a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? What it might say about you if you talk baby talk to your pet. Well, if you talk, hmm. I talk baby talk to my pet all the time. That's, of course we do. do I you do really? too. Of course you do. Yeah. Of course you do. Who's my good Dr. puppy? Who's my good puppy? Yes. Judy, you do it well. I always think I can't do it with a with a low voice, but she talks baby talk to me all the time. TMI, <laughs> <laughs> Hal. Who's my good boy? Put the toilet seat down. Put the toilet seat down like a good boy. Give it a try. No, give it a try. No, we've. 
Pretend I'm your Come dog. On. Come on, bro, bro. Come on, bro, bro. Come on. You see, Come that's it. See. That's good. Who's a good girl? No, Who's your good girl? Now, Who's the, a poopy face? Oh. Who's the poopy face? <laughs> I'm wondering if the animals say, talk to me like a normal person. Stop Probably. talking to me like a baby. Uh, well, we can't wait for that story that's coming up in a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. First, your calls, 1-866-405-8405. Hey, Dave. How you doing? Hi, I'm fine. How are you? Good. Where are you calling from today? Calling from Kentucky. Kentucky. Is it beautiful there? Well, today it is. Today it's a beautiful weather. Sunny and about 85 degrees. Wow. So a little bit warm for us, but uh, beautiful fall weather. Okay, and I, I bet it's uh, great for the dog. Probably, you have a dog, right? We actually have three dogs and a cat. Oh, you got a full house. So we have a full house, yes, and, and the dogs uh, love every all kinds of weather except for thunderstorms. Uh, you know what? That's the same with my cat. My cat <laughs> hides under the bed as soon as he's here, and he'll hear thunder like minutes before it ever gets here. Anyway, I don't want to take up your time right now. I have Dr. Debbie and Joey Volani here to answer your questions. What's going on? Well, uh, we have. Uh, I want to say we have three dogs. One of them, uh, eleven years old, Bandit. Um, he is a rescue dog. We actually got him as a puppy. He has a spot on the. Um, left front paw that started out looking like a pimple and then it grew and uh, finally it started oozing some white substance so we took him to the vet she looked at it said it was a cyst and uh, so she kind of just gave us some antibiotics we came home uh, it got worse and then he started licking on it made a hot spot and so we took him back and she um, looked at it again and put him actually under anesthesia so she could take a close look and found something that she said looked like a cat nail. That's the way they described it. She said, didn't say that's what it was. Said it looked like that. So mm. she cleaned it out really good and sent him home again. And now it, it kind of heals up, but there's still a swelling there. And uh, if we don't leave it covered with something, then he continues to just lick on it and make it raw again. So we're kind of at, at wit's end about what to do. All right. Interesting. So she saw something that she said looked like a cat nail. Now, I'm assuming on the foot area, there's not a lot of extra skin or fat. So it's, she's not saying it was a cat nail. It just resembled it. That's Is that correct? Yes, that, okay. that was the way she put it. They said it looked like a cat nail. And uh, we actually didn't talk to her. We talked to the vet tech and she actually drew a, just a little thing on a piece of paper. And that's kind of what it looked like. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so what that sounds like to me, it sounds like what we'd call a cutaneous horn. <laughs> it sounds kind of crazy. But, um, this is one of those fun things in veterinary medicine where we actually can see what looks like a, a cat or a dog toenail growing out from random parts of their body. And I've seen it on animals on their backs, on their necks, um, just where you would never expect to see an actual toenail. Um, and that's why I was asking to make sure it wasn't like a cat fight where we actually had a cat nail embedded in the skin. It was hiding there. It doesn't sound that area would be very likely. Um, but from... Um, from these cutaneous horns, what they actually are is they're actually a cyst. That's kind of what starts it all. And it actually creates a keratin um, buildup. So that keratin is like the stuff in our nails and on what our skin is made of. So it, it accumulates into this kind of like a, what we call a horn. Um, and it can grow. Sometimes they'll 
crack off and fall off, um, but eventually they will regrow and kind of that nail, as you kind of saw it, um, would still reoccur. So the important thing with these is to actually remove it completely um, surgically uh, because it has a cyst-like lining. Um, they will continue to grow back if we aren't able to get all of that tissue. Um, okay. So that's de- definitely one of the biggest things. Um, they're not necessarily serious. They're benign growth. They're just kind of quirky and strange. Um, but in that area, I can definitely understand why that would cause a lot of um, distress for your pet because anything on the front feet um, or even the rear feet, we just we find that dogs are really bothered by it. There's not a lot of tissue there. Um, they look at it. It's right accessible, and they tend to excessively lick these kind of things. So the, I'd say the first big hurdle is to make sure that this is completely removed surgically. And then from there, it's going to be, um, you know, it sounds like, you know, we're going to need to do some uh, long-term antibiotics because um, a lot of scarring can occur with these as they kind of rupture and then kind of regrow um, that we may need to be on anywhere from maybe two or even four weeks of continuous antibiotics. And in the meantime, doing whatever we need to do to, you know, keep our pet comfortable. So that may mean pain medications. It may mean anti-anxiety medicines. Um, so one called trazodone, I use a lot for pets that are just kind of stressed out or anxious about post-surgical things, whether it's wearing a cone or, um, you know, having restrictions on their activity or having an incision that just bugs them. It can really help kind of take the edge off. Um, doesn't knock them out per se, but just makes them a little bit more chill with the situation. Okay, yeah. He, um, he will not wear a cone. We had early on when we first had him, when we had him uh, neutered, actually, uh, we tried a cone and uh, he just paces and pants and, and uh, it, it just, it's, it's horrible to watch with a cone. Mm, uh, yeah. But, yeah, but where it is, it's hard to keep covered too because, yep. you know, it's on the side of his front foot and, and that's hard mm-hmm. to keep covered. So we've tried socks. We have a, a boot that we're trying now that seems to be working better than anything else, but keeping mm-hmm. it covered is hard too. So, uh, but it sounds to me what you're saying is to make sure he won't really ever be able to leave it alone until it's removed. Yeah, yeah. And, and I would just, you know, if your veterinarian felt like uh, they removed it all, then super. But if it was kind of just really ruptured and infected at the time, they may not have been able to actually see it that well. Um, but, you know, if we get inflammation under control and infection, sometimes then we can find the, um, you know, the outlying um, edge of the cyst. And it's a little bit easier. Um, and we see that a lot in um, other dogs, you know, that have cysts of other forms. It's really can be challenging to remove them once they're ruptured and oozing and causing a lot of problems so we try to get him healed up a little bit before we you know go in for that surgical removal okay, yeah um, well he actually we're keeping it covered and it is starting to grow some fur and healing a little bit okay. as long as we can keep him from licking he's fine and, and he does have his annual coming up this month uh so maybe that's a good time to talk to our vet about it a little bit more yeah, yeah, and then see see what uh, they think if something else needs to be done or it's just a matter of keeping them away from it and letting things heal up. So. Right. Okay, Good. well, I think that answers our questions. My wife is here. I don't think she has anything. So uh, we do appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time and for the information. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for calling. Thanks for listening to Animal Radio. Toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hey, everybody, this is Brett Michaels, and I just want to say you 
right now want to take, wait, give me the line again. My brain skipped. <laughs> Brett Michaels. And- I just had one of my brain hemorrhage brain farts. Oh, Go don't ahead. do that. Say don't that do that. I don't want to be responsible for that. Trust me, it's me. Go okay. ahead. Animal radio. Brett Michaels, animal radio. You got it. I knew the animal radio. Like, okay, here we go. Hey, this is Brett Michaels. You're listening to Animal Radio and take care of your pets. They will rock your world. Fido Friendly Magazine presents the 10th Annual Cross-Country Pet Adoption Tour. Get your licks on Route 66. Powered by Nissan, the tour travels from Los Angeles to Chicago, stopping at shelters along the way to support adoption events. Companion sponsors Tito's Vodka and Dog Legs join in the fun, as media sponsor Animal Radio broadcasts the tour from September 8th to October 14th. Pet Box sponsor Paw Pack and pet insurance sponsor Embrace Pet Insurance support the tour, along with advocate sponsors Buddy Belts, Pet Curian, Hands on Gloves, and Rolf C. Hagen. Attendees at each event stand in line to donate money and spin our giant spinning wheel. Filled with great prizes they can win. Provided by sponsors like Community Sponsors, Cosequin Joint Health Supplements, Petmate, Dexas, Senden, and Canaday, where all proceeds benefit the shelter at the end of the day. Log on to FidoFriendly.com and find out where the tour stops near you. And who knows, you might just find your new forever friend. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio, and we are moments away from aerospace engineer Mac Delaney. What is he doing on the show? (laughs) Well, he's actually engineered some cat projects for your cat. Not for your cat, but for you, for your cat. Like cat trees and cat fountains, cat toys, things that might actually make them happier, live a happier life. Solve some problems. We are about 10 minutes away from a check of the news with Miss Lori Brooks. What are you working on for this hour? You're going to love this story. Okay. Um, You know how dogs greet each other, right? Yep. They usually sniff their behinds, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what if if there was a treat that smelled like a dog's behind? Would dogs like it? (laughs) My dog would love it. Are you you talking like a a butt-flavored dog treat uh, is what you're saying? Exactly. exactly. Ladybug would roll in it. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Oh that God. would be a good treat. That's too. a good sign, right? Yeah, that's a good sign when she rolls in a treat. Okay. Well, this this is for real, and, and Ladybug might soon get her wish if she want, likes to roll in treats. So okay. we'll have that coming up. That's just around the corner right here. Let's hit the phones for your calls. And uh, which one are we going to? We're going We're to go, John? Going to John. Hey, Find John. Me. Welcome. Hey, how you doing? Doing good. Where are you calling from today? I'm in uh, Florida. Florida. So, oh. Little north of little north of West Palm Beach in Stewart. Beautiful day there today. Oh yeah, oh, it's great. Well, Doctor Debbie's right here. What's going on with your animals? Uh, well, the problem that I have is I have a hundred pound boxer, or almost a hundred, and I have a mutt, but they drink a lot of water. But what my problem is, I have a, a water bottle in the garage turned upside down, and you know the five gallon bottle on top of a bowl it used to only be a two gallon and i put a bigger one on but it mm-hmm. would get all moldy inside so my vet told me it was okay to use pool water in it which keeps it clear but i'm just worried about them drinking so much pool water continuously i mean they always have fresh in the house but they're always outside because they just have to be out with you okay so where now where is this water container it's in the garage or it's outside no, it's it's in it's in the garage, but it's just the way it is. It just it's so hot here and humid okay. that 
you know, the, the bottle just starts getting moldy, and, and they drink quite a bit, plus other dogs visit, and they go through probably, I probably fill it twice a week. Okay. But yeah, I mean, definitely in a hot environment. So if we have a, a large amount of water, we can definitely have some mold accumulations, different things growing in there. So that's not an ideal situation. And definitely changing it more than twice a week, I'd have to say for any water source, ideally we'd be changing that water daily um, because that alone will help um, decrease the incidence of things growing in that water and, and just losing its uh, freshness. Um, so that would be one thing. And uh, I'm glad to hear it's out of the sun because that's the other tip that I was going to recommend is to keep the water source out of the sun because that'll definitely um, hasten uh, the development of uh, green water or slime in there. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm not opposed to pool water and dogs drink pool water as long as we're dealing with the really diluted chlorinated water that's in pools. It's really not a big deal. Uh, the problem comes if you have pools that are shocked and that have the high concentration of the chlorine, the chemicals in that. That's when we we really don't want to be touching that water. That should not be any business for the doggies at that time. Um, but for every, you know, everyday water, it's it's not a big deal. And, okay. uh, you know, some folks, you know, will even uh, add a little bit of bleach to drinking water as a way to keep uh, it uh, uh, safe if you're out hiking. Um, so that's even one thing that we can do is some use some very dilute bleach in the drinking water. <clears throat> that was my next question as opposed to, you know, them continuously having to pull water because, I, I'm just out, I work so much outside, and they're always out with me, and they're just continuously using this bottle. And, uh, I mean, you know, they, they kill it, but it's still, it just starts getting green. And that's, that was another suggestion, was one tablespoon of bleach per gallon of water. And I wasn't sure about, I mean, they say it's okay for humans if you let it sit 30 minutes, but I wasn't sure for these guys, or just stay with the pool water and I'm fine. Yeah, I mean, I could see a benefit with the the bleach, and I think what you said is much higher than what I typically use. I only use about eight drops per gallon um, for um, for the sanitation, sanitizing that water. So um, at that level, you might pick up a little bit of an odor of bleach, but you just kind of let it sit, like you said, and it should be okay for long-term ingestion. Um, but you don't want to eyeball it. You really want to measure it out um, because you get enough bleach <laughs> ingested, and that could be a problem if you're, if you're just kind of winging it on the dilution there. Hey, Doc, um, what about those spigots? Aren't there spigots that you can turn on, but they don't, don't drip the water where the dog drinks, and it only comes out when the dog drinks from it? Aren't there things yeah, like that? Yeah, so... Yeah, that's a great setup as well. If you can, if you can do that, and if you have the water source where um, you know you can set that up outside. So yeah, that's a nice alternative as well, because um, you definitely want to have fresh water. You know, there's so many different protozoas that can uh, even just in a sitting bowl of water. Yeah. So whether or not we're having large amounts, things like Giardia, which is a protozoa that you know it's just a common everyday thing. We can find it in dog bowls, cat bowls, if the water in the bowl is not changed frequently enough. Um, so so that is imperative. And, and definitely, we want those dogs to drink tons of water. It's good for them. Um, and especially if they're out and they're active in that high temperature, we want to give lots of fresh water for them. And it, it's the high temperature, but it's the humidity. Like on my on my back porch, even where the pool is, I'll get, I'll get like uh, mold, slime. They'll start to grow yeah. on the glass on the sliding doors. It gets funky back there even. Where they drink out of the pool, but the pool is fine, and 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 but it's just you know it's just kind of yeah it's just it's just the way that our state is you know with the humidity. 
Yeah, John, you know, you make me thrilled that I live in a desert environment. I don't have to worry about mosquitoes. I don't have to worry about green slime. It's great out here. You know, when you started this call, I wanted to be there in Florida with you. <laughs> now, yeah, now but, not uh, so much. Call me around Christmas time. You got because you, you have the uh, yeah. the uh, tarantulas and oh. the... Uh, we got our own share of uh, fun and games. Scorpions and the big spiders. Well, thank you for your call today. We appreciate it, John. one 405 8405 to connect with any one of the dream team. At Red Barn, our pet food ingredients work overtime. They aren't just there for show. Dandelion greens work to maintain a healthy digestive system. Salmon oil works to enhance the immune system. Green-lipped mussels work to support joint health. These hard-working ingredients support your dog's active, healthy life. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free stews, the only pet food with Red Barn Bully Sticks. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Hey, it has long been known that talking to a baby improves bonding between a parent and child. But since so many pet parents these days view their pets as their own children, scientists were wondering, does talking to your dog, you know, in the same way that you would talk to an infant, does that have the same bonding effect? And a recent study suggests that, yes, it does. Researchers at the University of York over in the U.K. set out to investigate if what is called dog speak improves bonding between pets and humans and specifically whether or not it is useful for dogs to hear that high-pitched baby talk, as we call it. Well, after their experiments, they found that adult dogs were more likely to interact and spend time with those people that had used that dog-directed speech with dog-related content, though, they were liking those people more than they liked those who used adult-directed speech with no dog-related content. If you're confused, let me explain, because that's really important. Dog-related content is you have to talk about doggy-related things, like, (laughs) You're a good dog. (laughs) Asking the dog or telling him, let's go see a great movie is not the same thing. You want to go for a walk? Do you want a treat? That is dog-related speech. Unfortunately, I have a difficult time making my voice squeaky and high, as we have practiced on this show, um, Baby Talk with Dr. Debbie. But go ahead and give it a try. This whole study suggests that adult dogs need to hear dog-relevant words that are spoken in that high-pitched emotional voice that we get when we talk to them in order for them to find it relevant. I think it's uh, amazing that they actually need content that's related to dogs. Yeah. That, that's their con- so don't be talking about Ned in the mailroom or anything like that because they're not interested in that. They want to hear specifically about treats and their food and uh, their toys and when you're going to play with them next. Is, Is that it, what you're saying? That's exactly it. But I think it's because when we talk to them about things that we know get them excited – This is my own take. I was not in on the experiments. Uh But that makes the dogs excited. We know that. I I think we feel it. You know, there is a bond. There's... There are feelings that go back and forth between us. I could not be as excited telling, you know, Tater, do you want a treat? As I could saying, let's have a baked potato. (laughs) 
You know, so it doesn't do any it doesn't do any good when I tell Ladybug, "Oh, you're so cute, Ladybug. I just love you. I'm so much better than your dad. Your dad's no good. That's me. It's just me. You don't like your dad. Do you? you just like me. You just like your mommy, don't you? Where did we put that straight jacket? I think you're a wonderful mom, Judy. Uh, and that that dad, he's got to go. There's an animal shelter in Illinois that is giving its dogs and cats there the feeling of really living in a real home. Because they're furnishing their kennels with old chairs that are being donated by the public. When I say old chairs now, think of, you know, big old chairs, recliners, big, cushy, comfy chairs where, you you know, you can sit sideways and hang your legs over. These are big enough where an animal can sleep the day away comfortably. The Knox County Humane Society No-Kill Shelter in Galesburg, Illinois, recently posted a video on its Facebook page of animals there lounging in these big comfy chairs and as you can imagine it went viral the director of the shelter said their chair project was inspired by a pit bull named buster who has a tendency to chop to hop rather onto any chair that's available even if someone is sitting in it so the shelter has since begun collecting unwanted recliners and armchairs so they can furnish all of the kennels for the dogs because having a chair in the kennel really helps to give the dogs more of a home setting while they're, you know, being forced to be at the shelter. Workers there say that it has especially helped one of their dogs named Mickey with his very high stress levels. Mickey's been in that shelter for about a year and his human furniture, they've noticed a difference since he's had it. It gives him a greater sense of security, apparently. And guess what? Since the video debuted online, they have received a ton of chair donations, and this has allowed even the cats at the shelter to lounge in luxury in the shelter's free-roaming cat room with a bunch of chairs. Finally, there is a new dog treat headed to pet store shelves soon, and though the name alone might make you not want to buy it, I am betting that dogs are going to love it. Are you ready? There is a woman in Kansas who now has a patent pending on a new treat called Mickey and Moe's Butt Flavored Dog Treats. Ooh, my dog will love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to know how they, they tested that or who found the scent or if it is even scented like that to a dog or something. But I, I bet that it sells like hotcakes. It made me giggle. <laughs> I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hey, Teresa. Hi, Dr. Debbie. Hey, how can I help you today? Well, my cat seems to have a problem. The back of her lower back in her tail is very flaky and scaly and she just kind of makes a mess like a dandruff cat dandruff oh yuck (laughs) is she very scratchy with that does she bother get bothered by the area she is bothered by it she scratches and bites and i'm not sure what to do about it okay and what kind of kitty is she any particular uh, pedigree short haired Um, or long hair black and white um, short hair. I don't know what they're called, the black and white. Okay, yeah, just a domestic short hair. And yeah. um, is she in healthy weight? Um, would your veterinarian yeah. say she needs to lose a few pounds? Nope, she's very healthy. She's about two years old, and she's very healthy. Other Great. than that, she's fine. 
Very good. And so you're calling from Montana. So does she spend mm-hmm. time outdoors or is she mostly inside? She spends a lot of time outdoors chasing mice. Ah, well, so she's got a job in the household then. She does. <laughs> and is she an original mouser that uh, was from uh, uh, a litter outside, or did you find her from a shelter? No, she we she was given to us when she was about a half-grown kitten, but she just, um, where we live is kind of near the forest, so she loves to be outdoors. And mm-hmm. she's inside, too. She sleeps in, but she plays out all day. And uh, what's her name? I didn't catch her name. Her name is Squeakers. Squeakers. <laughs> that goes good with the mousing uh, background. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, um, for Squeakers, do you have any um, challenges with her hair coat? Does she have any problems getting knots or mats or anything of that nature? No, she does fine. I have to give her a bath every once in a while, but she just, because she just is kind of flaky, and that's, okay. I don't like it, so... Well, yeah. I think I'm well, bothered by it more than she is. <laughs> well, you mentioned it was bothering her. So she's is she scratching at it or trying to excessively groom back there? Yes. She's always yes, she's, licking. She's licking her. at that area. Okay. Right. All right. Well, there's a lot of different things that we might look at, and some of the first things I'd want to really investigate with her would be um, the potential for parasites. And, you know, fleas and ticks are certainly uh, one avenue we'd want to go down and make sure we're on really good uh, flea control. So um, in your area, I know you probably have some cold uh, winter time, um, but really to pursue that year-round, because if she's going inside and outside, we want to make sure that flea control is taken care of year-round. But there's, okay. there's even one other type of parasite that we kind of think of, and particularly when we see dandruff on the kind of the rump area, um, right over where the tail is. And there's a type of mite that we actually term uh, walking dandruff. <laughs> and uh, it, it's really kind of gross when you see it on a microscope because it really looks like little pieces of dandruff walking with legs. Um, but it, it is a type of parasite that we can see, and some pets will be somewhat itchy with that, and they'll tend to be quite flaky in the rump. So to check that out, we definitely want to make sure we do something called a skin scraping um, or a tape test. Um, and that's something veterinarians do when we look under the microscope and we look for creepy crawlers and that's kind of why we get into veterinary medicine because we dig this kind of stuff but we want to make sure that that we don't have anything like that and uh, make sure that's not a possibility because if it is it's something very simple to treat with the right type of uh, flea medication and or medicated mm-hmm. shampoo so check that part out um, okay there- There are some cats that, and I was quizzing you a little bit about Squeaker's weight, because for some more portly kitties, they have actually some difficulty getting to certain areas, and they don't distribute their oils on their hair coat really well. So that's where we need to step in and and do some regular brushing, really, on a daily basis to help distribute those oils, Um, and particularly if there's mats, because there can be dry patches that are associated with those. And uh, for some cats, um, just like with dogs, you've probably heard me advocate on this show before, is fatty acids are a dietary supplement we can give to dogs and to cats as well. And it can help to keep their hair coat um, in good shape. Um, The trick is that cats don't always like us putting things into their food like fatty acids. And um, they're far more intelligent than dogs, but don't tell the dogs that. <laughs> and uh, But fatty acids could be another thing you might consider adding in to see if that helps her out as well. Okay. 
Okay. And uh, see if that works out. And as long as everything else is going healthy in her life and you know, she's um, not having any signs of illness, then you know, hopefully this is something kind of minor and we can get her past that with a, a little bit of extra brushing and some of those other measures. So thank you so much, Teresa. I hope that's helpful. 1-866-405-8405 to talk to Dr. Debbie right now. This is Animal Radio, baby. Do you travel with your dog? Of course. My pets are part of our family. Me too. I take Daisy with me everywhere. Right, Daisy? So how do you find out what hotels welcome your dog? I read Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Sounds perfect for planning our next vacation. Right, Daisy? It is. Their motto is leave no dog behind, and they have great hotel and destination reviews. Where can I find the magazine? Go online to FidoFriendly.com. I will for sure. Come on, Daisy. We're off to find our next adventure. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connections with our cats and dogs and fish and flamingos and horses. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Toll free one 405 8405 Judy just walked in and she handed me a book called Engineering for Cats. That's if you have a really, really smart, smart cat. cat. You gotta, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think if Nike would pass the muster there, if he could. Uh, uh, you know what? I think he could. He, he could well, be an he, engineer, you think? Uh, yeah, I think he would try. He, he would be a good he, candidate. He'd be the one, huh? Yes. Well, you've also told me that on the phone is Mac Delaney. He is an aerospace engineer. Hi, Mac. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. An aerospace engineer. So what normally do you do? What do you engineer normally? Uh, so I work for a company uh, down here in San Diego that makes uh, large components for commercial aircraft, uh, different parts that go on the engine uh, for, for planes like the Boeing 787 and the, the Airbus A350. Wow. And do you have animals at home? I do. I have two cats, Pepe and Nelly. Do they help you with your engineering? Are they music? Are they smart cats? Yes. They, they they definitely help with a different type of project, but it's the same. It's all the same math. So yeah, I still apply the same concepts that I do it with uh, with the airplanes to try and solve problems with them. Okay, let's bring listeners up to date because they're probably very confused right now. Uh, your book, Engineering for Cats, is ten cat approved projects for them, uh, for them, or it's for us. I guess it's for the humans to create for the animals. What are the items that they include in there? Are they like cat trees? Well, yeah, so there's there's 10 different projects, and they're each aimed at kind of a different uh, issue or aspect of owning a cat that can make just the, the whole process a little bit more enjoyable. So some of them, uh, like the original one was just a cat fountain. Some cats really uh, prefer moving water to, to like a stagnant bowl, so you can build a, a fountain out of PVC pipe. There's some treat feeders, a, a puzzle for them to try and get some treats out of. There, there's a, uh, and then another popular one is like a litter box cabinet, so you can uh, hide your litter box in your in your living room without invading your cat's privacy too much. So there's there's really all different ones. There's ten different ones, and they're each designed at kind of a different aspect of the cat ownership. So was this out of necessity? Did you have these issues with your two cats? Oh, very much. I, I didn't, yeah, I, I started off just building these projects to, to help solve the, the problems. And uh, my other friends and family with cats said, well, hey, we want those too. So I, it, rather than build it for them, I took the lazy option and just started making instructions <laughs> for them to build themselves. I'm not the smartest tool in the shed, but 
I consider myself a little bit handy sometimes. Can I build these things, or do we need to be engineers to build these things? Oh, no. As they're definitely aimed at the beginner. They're, they're a little bit more complicated than a standard craft or something. You, you do need to go to the hardware store for them, and you, a couple tools would be good. But they are all the instructions are written, assuming you have no experience in this. And then there is some technical information uh, about the engineering behind each one. Uh, I even mentioned you can totally just ignore this section. I just put it in there because I like it and I think it's fun, but uh, not necessary. And your cat doesn't have to understand it either in order for your cat to use the projects. I'm looking through the table of contents here, and these uh, list off all the items that we, us general people, can uh, create using the instructions that Mac has put in this book. Uh, one of them is a cat shelf. We know how much cats love to be uh, on high, high up and yeah, on a shelf. Uh-huh. Uh, drinking fountains. We have the cat cave. We know cats like to, to hide. Mm-hmm. A simple scratcher. We know it's really important that they use those claws and scratch those claws. Instead of our furniture. Uh, yes. Yes, my couch. <laughs> Uh, and I'm looking at the slot machine now, the cat treat slot machine. This is cool. <laughs> I like that. Yes. That's right up my alley here. <laughs> yes. This, is, I think, is the most entertaining one to use anyway. So it's, it's uh, again, just a simple build-out of PVC pipe, and it's got these three spinners that your cat will have to figure out how to spin around, and there's kind of a random chance whether or not a treat will fall out of it. This one took a lot of design iterations to find a puzzle that was not too complicated for my cat, but also not too easy for them. And you can actually calibrate this one based on uh, how you build it to make it more difficult if you have kind of a clever cat or if you have uh, a cat more on the dumber side, you can put it on easy mode for them as well. Well, we we kind of have both here. We've got some cats that are bright, some that aren't. But you know what? I think this would be really cool for my little dog. Yeah. I think, yeah, she was, she's clever. She likes to figure things out. I bet she would sit there and do that. Mac, how long would this treat project uh, take to make? Oh, boy, it really, it really depends on, on what you have uh, handy in, in your experience. But I'd say even if you're uh, a definite uh, beginner and figuring it all out for the first time, no more than uh, two or three hours. Well, there's hope for you, Hal. The ten <laughs> you to can tw- do that, Hal. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm looking at the 10 to 20 hour project, which is the cat wheel. And it looks a little bit like the hamster wheel. Does your cat use your cat wheel? Do you have a cat wheel? Did you make a cat wheel? I did. Actually, I made all these projects. All these are actually still in my in, in my house and in use. I'd say definitely the cat wheel is the one that gets used the least often. You have to if you have a especially like a Bengal cat or one of those hyperactive ones, uh, then I've heard that they'll much more voluntarily use the cat wheel. Mine takes a little bit of motivation, either with a laser pointer or a treat, but they can use it. <laughs> Do you have an estimate of the cost to build these projects along with each one? I do. So I kind of put it as a relative terms just because co- costs can kind of change and mm-hmm. supplies based on where you are and uh, when you are. So they, I, I rank each project by high, medium, low and kind of give a comparison in terms of how much cat food or cat veterinary trips that would cost you. <laughs> okay. I have 10 copies of this book to give out right no, now. No, you don't. Nine? You have nine copies. Nine now. copies to give away. Engineering for Cats. Better the life of your pet with 10 cat-approved projects from Mac Delaney. He's an aerospace engineer. If you're not lucky enough to get on through, head on over to Amazon or your favorite bookstore if it still exists and ask for engineering for cats. Mac, thanks so much for hanging with us today. Thanks for having me. We're going to head back to the phones for your calls toll-free at 1-866-405-8405 next. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. 
Amazon. Learn more. Here are today's automotive news headlines. I'm Nick Miles. Our team has been test driving the Lexus IS. The IS is an excellent buy with 311 horsepower, an eight-speed automatic transmission, and up to 28 miles a gallon on the highway. But if the starting price of under $47,000 is too much for you, for an all-wheel drive version, Lexus make a number of other flavors of the road-hugging sports sedan, including the entry IS 300 starting under $39,000, and it gets 30 miles a gallon on the highway, all thanks to an in-house design turbo. For more, go to OurAutoExpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And this is the hour you've been waiting for, or at least Dr. Debbie has been waiting for. Microbiologist Jennifer Gardy will be joining us. She has studied poop, lots of poop from animals, and in particular, the viral sensation Little Bub, the 100, no, I guess he's not the $100 million, that's Grumpy Cat, but that's Little Bub's, yeah. you know, pretty well known. Oh, he's, yeah, I very mean, well known. And now he's really, really well known because his poop has been studied and it's available publicly to you to check out and we'll find out more with microbiologist Jennifer Gardy coming up. Lori, what are you working on for this hour? Lori's kind of forgot what she's going to be working on. Oh. Um, I was looking at Roro. Yes. And all of a sudden, he just bunched up his, his uh, like, pee-pee pad in his crate. And, and he just whizzes. He just urinates right here on it. And, I'm, and I've been panicking for the last minute before we got to this, thinking, oh, my God, he does. He's got a bladder infection or something. Oh, or no. Oh, no. Why? Oh. Is that a sign of it? Yeah, frequent urination, Dr. Debbie. Well, among other things, I mean, has he just not been outside for some time? No, see, that was it. Is I, I had taken him outside and then came back in, and he went, and then there's a was a larger um, spot of urine, and uh, so I changed the pad, and now there was just a small one, and he just did it right in front of me. Well, I think I need to take a look at that urine sample. Okay. It's, it's no good on the PP pad, but I need a sample of it. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm not going to taste it. I'm not going to smell it. I pro- well, I might smell it, but I'm not going to do will. anything more than that. It, it, it will definitely involve some laboratory testing. How about that? So you can't get it from the PP pad? It's not sterile anymore? No, but that's that's a great question because we do have people bring in PP pads thinking we can squeeze it and like you know twist it and get the pee out. Um so, no, we can't do that. So, um, for cats, there are some special cat litters where you can collect urine at home using their, their special cat litters. But they have to be, you know, purchased uh, specifically for that purpose. So how do you get a dog? I didn't know that dog's urine? I mean, do you have to hold a cup underneath him? Or what is there that? are several ways. Um, one is what is called a free catch. So that's, you know, chasing around with a cup <laughs> afterwards. Um, and that's nice because it's quick and it's easy and, you know, pet owners can collect that at home. But the downside is it's actually contaminated with, you know, any bacteria on the outer your genital area. So, you know, for boys, that means the whole pee-pee part. Um, for girls, it means hair and stuff down by the vagina. Um, but so that's a quick and easy way. The other ways either involve a catheter placement in the bladder, um, easier in boys, and 
it can be done in girls. It's just a little more challenging. And then uh, the third way that we collect a urine sample is called a cystocentesis. Um, and that's basically drawing it straight from the bladder using a needle and syringe. Wow. Sounds horrible. I know you guys are all like going, yeah. right now, but um, it's actually one of the most common ways that we collect urine in the veterinary world because it's uh, sterile. It uh, can be a sure thing. We collect with an ultrasound guiding us and gives us some good information. And you mentioned it's a little easier with guys or males. Are males easier to work on overall pretty much? No, absolutely not. Really? You're not going to get me to compliment men. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. No, the only reason boys are easier to catheterize is because, um, you know, we're passing a catheter into the penis area. So it's a very easy, for girls, it's all kind of hidden in there, and you have to either see it or, um, you know, use some other techniques to help you get a catheter placed in a girl. It's just a little bit more challenging. Okay. Uh, Let's take some calls. You ready to do that? Sure. Let's get to work. Remember, there are several ways to get your questions to us. You can call us at 1-866-405-8405, or you can head on over to our Facebook page at Animal Radio, and you should head over there anyway and like us. We're giving away lots of great stuff. That's at Animal Radio, or tweet us your questions at Animal Radio, or even through the uh, iPhone and Android app for Animal Radio. You should download that puppy so you can listen to the show and ask your questions at the same time. Uh, this time we go to the phones at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. We have Pam for Dr. Debbie. Hi, Pam. How are you? I'm okay. What's going on? Okay. I rescued this kitten about, oh, it's been almost a year. I, I haven't had her spaded yet. She, I don't know if she's coming in heat or what, but she cries, I mean, like maybe once or twice out of the month like this crying sound okay and what is she doing when she's crying is she trying to track you down trying to come closer to you is she no, back doors she, she's uh she okay i have four other cats and but they're all spaded they've been spaded since they were real little mm-hmm. and um she'll go up to them and lay down or try to rub up against them and um, <laughs> I mean just do all you know kinds of things they love her but uh, she just I mean I don't know if she's trying to come in heat I don't know if she's hurting she's, okay. she's like tall and skinny okay I'll tell you what Pam the simple truth it sounds like your cat is just horning <laughs> <laughs> It, it really does. Um, so well, kitties, like, <laughs> kitties will. Night, I brought a kitten from downstairs that hadn't been fixed up here. Well, he's why are you kitten. looking for trouble here? No, I'm not. But I wanted to find out <laughs> if she was really in heat. And she got she slapped him. She got mad at him. She hissed at him. Her hair stood up. That's love. So I. <laughs> <laughs> so I. You know, I told my manager, just take him away because she was getting really violent. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, for kittens or for cats, they can go into heat generally about six months. But, you know, I've seen some female cats go into heat as early as four or five months of age. But when they do go into heat, it's pretty obnoxious. Um, They'll definitely kind of meow, carry on. Um, A lot of times they'll take their backside and stick it towards uh, their favorite loved one, whether it's either a a person (laughs) or another animal. 
um, and they'll stick their tail up really high, do a lot of rolling behavior. Now, and they'll they'll go in and out of heat, and that's the crazy thing with cats is that it just doesn't stop. Like a dog will go into heat twice a year generally, and you're done and over with it. With cats, you can count on this fun pretty much year-round because they'll go into heat for a couple days, and then they'll go out for a couple weeks, and then it'll come back. So, um, so yeah. I, <laughs> exactly. I'd say get that taken care of. And But my goodness, you, you tempt fate getting that boy around there. And, you know, the way that cats mate, when they're mating, they actually turn around and, and they fight. So, you know, there's a little bit of love there, but there's also a little bit of hate. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, because it was like, let me see how she acts with this one that hasn't been fixed. And uh, because my male cats, you know, they've been since they was a kitten, and then uh, and they're like nine years old, and my female's nine. But I rescued her out of the alley. Her mama just dropped her, and I've had her ever since. And they just took to her. Matter of fact, they made them lazy things get up and play. <laughs> she made them play with her, but I just didn't know. I kept thinking, man, she just keeps. My daughter said, "Mama, she's coming in heat too much. If that's what she's doing, yeah, you got to get it done, and not only for the uh, for the for her to go out of heat, but uh, there's a lot of health issues. I know. A lot of she can avoid. What kind of cancers can she avoid, doctor? Well, the big thing in, in females it would be avoiding mammary cancer. That's the big one. So if we take away that estrogen production, then we can decrease the the risk of breast cancer. But there's also the other, you know pyometra the uterine infection and you know just that desire for her to look sleep or sneak out that door um, when she's feeling especially amorous so uh yeah and, and you know you, you ask something you know is she in pain we don't know um it's certainly possible that cats could be having cramps we don't know so um you know i guess you'd make the argument heck most women hate their periods so you know why not <laughs> spare her that heartache there so. very good Thanks for your call today. We appreciate it, Pam. Well, this yummy portion of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals. Canned food for dogs and cats, always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Learn more at redbarning.com. And thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. We love you. Let's take another one for Dr. Debbie. We have Roy on the phone. Hey, Roy. Hi, how are you today? Very good. How are you? Good. You sound so cheery. Good. I have a uh, little three-year-old chihuahua. His name is MacGyver. <laughs> and I, like I buy him. I try to try not to feed him uh, any food with uh, corn, uh, wheat, or soy. And so I got the, uh, the Buffalo Blue. He's been eating that for several years. But he, he doesn't really eat it. Like, he'll, he'll, he'll go to the bowl. He'll eat it. He'll, have, he'll take one kibble, turn away, chew it, come back chew another one, go go back. And it'll do that maybe a couple times, and then they'll stop eating it. I'm wondering, is, like, is there anything I can mix in with it that he'll eat the kibbles and everything? Or so, maybe I mean, I'll leave that up to you to decide. Yeah, and, you know, I guess I, I would make that decision based a little bit on what he's looking like and if he's eating that food during the day. So if he's in good body condition and he's just a grazer and he likes to pick up that one kibble, walk away, and nibble, that's fine with me. Some some pets, that is just their pattern of eating. And so especially if he's in good weight or if he's on the heavy side, I don't think we need to necessarily encourage appetite in those situations. And, and I would just let him have his normal eating style. But we would want to make sure that there isn't some undetected health problem that could be causing him to not eat so eagerly. So 
if he were here in front of me, the first thing I would do is look in his mouth. Chihuahuas notoriously can have some problems with their teeth. If we've got any bum teeth in there, we need to address that and make sure that those are taken care of. Well, that is true because they did have uh, two extracted like uh, about seven to eight months ago. Might be a reason just to take another peek in there. Um, But there are some other things that will cause a dog to not be a a hearty eater, and they're kind of more internal, inflammatory bowel disease, or even some liver problems. You know, those kind of things can also cause them to kind of be off on their food. So if he's losing weight or skinny and not eating well, then that would take us in a different direction where we'd talk about doing more like lab work to um, determine what might be going on there. I see. Well, Well, thank you very, very much for answering my question. I really do appreciate that. Thanks My for pleasure. Calling. Okay, you, you be well. You take care of yourself and stay warm. one 405 8405 to connect with the Dream Team. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one 405 8405 Hi, everybody. This is Deborah Wilson from Mad TV, and you're listening to Animal Radio. And as my friends would say, Clear your calendars because the best time to discover your best hair is here. The Gorgeous Hair Event is back at Ulta Beauty. It's three weeks of daily beauty steals of up to 50% off the most loved brands like Redken, Living Proof, and Dry Bar. Check out deep conditioning masks for a frizz-free fall, flat irons for silky locks that never stop, and color boosters to keep you vibrant all season. But hurry in. The event ends October 20th, only at Ulta Beauty. The possibilities are beautiful. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio. Don't forget you can uh, listen to Animal Radio anytime you want. You can ask questions. You can get recall notifications all from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. It's a free download, so go download it right now. We'll wait. Oh, we can't do that? Yeah. No. It, Let's, we got to keep Maybe going. you could do it after the show, or if you're a multitasker, you can do it during the show. Okay. We got to move on. We got called. We got a bank of calls here to answer. Uh, also, we have the big microbiologist coming on in just a few minutes. I probably shouldn't say big micro. She's probably just a tiny potato. She she knows her poop like nobody's business. <laughs> and she's going to tell you <laughs> why little bub has special poop. Hey, only on Animal Radio, folks. I don't think you'll find any other show doing this this uh, weekend. or the really real anyone. celebrity poop. <laughs> it is the real celebrity poop. That's, <laughs> that's good. I like that. Um, what are you working on for this hour? Well, nothing funny about this, but it's something that's got to be addressed because it's happening more and more these days is the escalating suicide rate among veterinarians. Yeah, and I heard a look about into that. maybe some of the reasons why. Okay, that's on the way in just a few minutes. I understand the actual suicide rate is higher than dentists now yes, for veterinarians. The highest for any occupation. It must be a very frustrating yes. occupation. I would imagine you, you spend a lot of time uh, with euthanasia and telling owners that. Uh, their animals are not well, plus you have to do the whole trying to figure out what's wrong with the animals. Much different than the human uh, doctor yeah, profession. Yeah. 
And I think that's, uh, you know, a lot of the emotional uh, strain of, um, you know, being a caregiver and also the ethical dilemmas that we face, uh, financial dilemmas pet owners have, and, and that puts a lot of stress on a person. So um, I think it's great to have the conversation because I think that's how we get through this situation and making sure that the more that someone talks about any kind of anxiety or troubles they're having, the, the better we all can be as a profession. Okay, I look forward to learning more that's coming up in the news in just a few minutes. Hi, Rocky. Hello, doctor. How are you? Hi, I'm doing really good. What's um, going on in your world? Oh, kind of hectic right now. I got scratch <laughs> marks all over my arms, but other than that, I'm, I'm cool. Uh, I, I find your show intriguing, and I learn a, a lot of new things out of it. Well, wonderful. My dilemma, go ahead. Oh, I'm just going to thank you for tuning in and listening. We always appreciate talking to our faithful listeners. Uh, what do you have going on there? Well, my dilemma is my neighbor had him a call. Uh, he had him since uh, he was two years old. After living with, with him for about 16 years, I finally got tired of uh, him ignoring the call, and I approached him, and I... I kind of adopted him, and I kind of rescued him because he wasn't doing anything with it. The poor thing was just always in the cage, and every time mm-hmm. I go with him, it, it seems like we bonded really good. And yeah. he loves to play. He loves to climb on you. My problem is his, his talent. He's got these sharp nails that they are curved, and I try to... Kind of sanding it down. I put this uh, big old piece of wood with a sandpaper around it, and mm-hmm. uh, for him to stand down, and hoping for him to kind of dull up those sharp points. But no, it didn't work. Okay. That's my so dilemma. Me... He loves okay, to so... get on my arm. He loves to crawl up, and he kind of digs in and makes holes and scratch marks all over my my arms. So. I gotcha. So y- you can't grow thicker skin, so you're asking how we're going to deal with this. So I got it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, well, th- this is easy advice, and-, and I can tell you this is something we deal with a regular basis at our office. Um, what we need to have done for your little guy there is to get his uh, nails trimmed. And the best way, a couple tips I recommend about this is, one is I don't often recommend the primary person in the home, the the one that they're bonded to, I don't often recommend them to do it. Uh, so this is where you don't want to break down that bond that you have with your bird. Um, okay. It's best to see a veterinarian uh, that works on birds and is comfortable with birds and to have the nails uh, trimmed. I prefer to trim large bird nails with a Dremel um, and actually kind of grind them down. Um, most birds do very well with that and we it's a less of a risk of cutting too short um, and that also gives us some nice control at kind of polishing and kind of rounding out the edges for them um, once that's done you will find that your bird's nails are much more comfortable and tolerable and, and it has to be maintained on a regular basis for some birds depending on how much they're wearing uh, their claws um, but that would be an easy fix and I think that that would um, help your, your your problem since he is sounds like he's very tame He's easy with handling. It's just a matter of they're just daggers. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. It's about about a little bit over a quarter inch of daggers. And when uh-huh. they dig in, they dig in. They can't get them off. 
And I feel sorry for those birds that hawks get a hold of or something like that. But uh, right. thank you very you, much. Okay, uh, very I good. I and to, I, I have to take them to a bed. Absolutely. And, you know, if you're having trouble finding a veterinarian that works on birds in your area, sometimes even calling local pet stores, and they can kind of help give you referrals. Um, when I was just a wee little uh, teenager, I worked at a pet store, and we trimmed uh, small bird nails. Um, we didn't often do large you birds. You a wee but they may little be able to... teenager? I was. I'm still kind of a wee little adult, I would like to say. <laughs> but... Thanks for your call, Rocky. 1-866-405-8405 to connect with any one of the Dream Team right now. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, this is Fred Willard on Animal Radio. And I, I'm, I'm begging you, spay and neuter your animals. I'm sitting up and begging. I'll, play, I'll go over and play dead if you want. I'll follow you anywhere you want to go. Hey there, I'm a glue stick, so I have one job. I glue kid stuff. So sorry for being jealous of Geico, who does a ton more. Like give you 24-7 access to thousands of licensed agents. And Geico has been around for over 75 years and has a 97% customer satisfaction rating. While I've just got mediocre adhesive skills, Geico also has an award-winning mobile app. Uh-oh, arts and crafts time. No eating the glue stick, Miss Lydia. Geico, expect great savings and a whole lot more. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. A, a ban on so-called pet shock collars, you know, those kinds that have the little transmitters in them and the, the kind of like bolts on the back where they go into the animal's skin to be shocked. <laughs> well, yeah, the, well, they don't go into the skin, but they're supposed to touch the skin. Yeah. So a ban on those collars is going to be enacted soon in England under plans that have just been confirmed to us by the government. The shock collars... Which are used, they say, to control pets are really controlled via a remote control. Uh, they've already been banned in Wales. I'm sorry, Tater's in the studio with me. He's my pit bull. Before I adopted Tater, he was actually abused with one of those shot calls. Yeah, he's speaking out that, is what he's doing. Isn't why, that strange? Yeah, well, why is it we're not doing this in the U.S.? This is all going down, by the way, with political battles that are very similar to ours here in the U.S. Only in England, it is their political party, which is called the Conservatives, who are the animal rights supporters, while the country's Tory party would rather concentrate their efforts on bringing back fox hunting, an English sport that is done on horseback chasing foxes. So, so, so wait a second. Here. In the U.K.? It's just the opposite of us. Okay. <laughs> That's interesting. I know. knew that would baffle you because it did me. I'm like, hang on here a second. Conservatives in England are the animal rights supporters. Um, I'm sure it's just the name that, you know, I'm sure the Conservative Party in England is very similar to our animal associated parties here. I'm not going to go. Uh, you know what? I'm going to. I'm not going down that road. <laughs> it is important to note, though. I'm going to tell you that shock collars are often marketed as these quick, harmless fixes or a solution, a training aid. But animal experts say they can easily cause more problems than they fix. Santa Barbara, California, is dealing with a crisis in its animal care community. Now, truthfully, this is a problem that is happening all over the country. And, and it's probably, you're maybe expecting me to say, there's a shortage of veterinarians. No, that that's not the problem. The problem is a very high rate of suicide among veterinarians. In fact, 
vets have the highest rate of suicide among all professional groups. That's four times higher than the national average. And yes, even higher than dentists. Now, what has thrust this issue into the national spotlight today is the recent suicide of two young female veterinarians in Santa Barbara, just a few months apart. Each ran their own mobile service, practicing at-home pet care to sick pets all around their area. And within months of each other, both women are gone. One late last year killed herself. I believe it was in November, the second one just last month. Mm. And their deaths have shocked everyone. Literally everyone who knew them said that neither of the women had shown any obvious signs of distress. This was all like a, a pain that was kept very neatly contained inside of them. Nobody had a clue. But multiple studies in recent years have revealed really disproportionately high rates of depression, anxiety, and suicide among veterinarians in the U.S. And then a Center for Disease Control survey of 10,000 practicing veterinarians showed that they displayed signs of serious mental illness and feelings of hopelessness and worthlessness at two to three times as often as the rest of the you know general population. Similar statistics have also been reported for veterinarians in Great Britain and Australia. Now, here are some of the reasons that experts consider to be contributing factors. Like their human doctor counterparts, vets graduate from medical school with really heavy student debt, but throughout their careers, even the best vets will probably only earn about half of what human physicians make. Now, you add that student debt to their mortgage, living expenses, and van payments is happening a lot now because so many of them are mobile. Add that to the financial burden, it's just overwhelming. And, of course, performing daily euthanasia, consider that. Vets are trained to think of euthanasia as a solution when it is best to do it. So while I was researching this story, I found it very interesting, if not horrific, that many veterinarians talked about pressure from clients to perform services at no charge. Some clients who are cash-strapped will say, if you love the animals, you do it for free. And yes, that really Mm -hmm. happens. Can you imagine the guilt that would inflict? But what is interesting is having been a nurse, I have never ever heard of or witnessed a case where a patient or family member will say that to a human doctor. You know, I'm not going to say that, you know, client comments are a cause of veterinary suicide, but I definitely think that um, those kind of hurtful things can make a difficult day for a healthcare professional even harder. Um, But we do. Actually, every day I can tell you I hear comments that, you know, um, a veterinarian should do something at no charge because we just love animals and that's why we're supposed to be in this field. Um, or that, how can you let um, my, piece, my pet die? Um, you know, th- it's your responsibility to save animal life. And it, it really can become very weighing on, um, on your emotions. Um, but I do feel that, you know, there are other factors. There's a lot of people who are very compassionate and want to help. So are those people being drawn to the veterinary field and that maybe already right. have a, yeah. um, an yeah. underlying mm-hmm. tendency for um, depression? Yeah, see, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking mm-hmm. people that help animals generally are more passionate. They feel more emotions, at least from what I see in my superficial. They're also well, more perfectionist, Hal. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. type A personalities. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. exactly. So I think all of it. 
I mean, it's a great discussion to have. But I think the important thing is to know that, you know, this is out there. And um, um, the important thing is to, if you know somebody who is struggling with a depression or mood disorders, to really have a conversation and talk to them. Um, don't assume that, you know, it's going to get better or that it's not that bad. Um, we we lost a veterinarian in I, our area um, just last year. Um, young guy, um, you know, um, you know, at the start of his career, and it was really very sad for the whole community. That's too bad. So it, it can be very frustrating, um, but I'm not looking for a downer here. And you know, I know I think this is a horrible story because it's such a geographical location. Um, but uh, you know, I do think it's you know. You know, always nice to be nice to people, no matter what kind of uh, yes. profession they work in. And, and maybe that's just what we kind of need to look at is that, you know, how our own actions kind of snowball. I, I was once at a checkout in a Walgreens and this lady was talking loudly on the phone and annoying some lady in front of her. And this, the lady in front yelled at her and told her how rude she was and blah, 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 blah. And th- she hung up and said, I'm sorry, my best friend just died and I'm just trying to deal with some details and just move so quiet and you just never realize how someone else's actions can really have an effect on you and i I just feel so bad in that situation so be kind i'm Lori brooks you can get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com this has been an animal radio news update get more at animalradio.com You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. And we'll go back to the phones for your calls toll free at 1-866-405-8405. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, we, uh, we have a couple lines open right now. So if you want to get in queue to talk to Dr. Debbie or to Joey Villani, now is the time to call. And don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Download that puppy right now, my friend. Uh, let's. Is she on the phone? I know yes. Dr. Debbie's been waiting for this one. This is very <laughs> exciting. We have Jennifer Gardy joining us. Hi, Jennifer. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. How are you guys? Very good. You're a microbiologist, right? I sure am. And you study poop. <laughs> what microbiologist doesn't, really? It's probably just about our favorite subject matter. Someone told me that you once ingested a pill to photograph your intestinal tract. What? Am I reading this correctly? What is this? Yeah, that is correct. So I am a microbiologist. I work at the BC Center for Disease Control in the University of British Columbia. But I've also got a little side hustle as well. I do a bit of science journalism, and I host a documentary series up here in Canada. Uh, once or twice a season, I'll take over a show we have called The Nature of Things, and we do different episodes about different topics. And we did one all about poop recently. And as one of the stories, I swallowed a tiny little camera. Uh, it was my own version of fantastic voyage and I got to see exactly what my gut looks like inside including uh, where poop comes from. Has that gone viral? <laughs> uh, maybe just in my friend circle. Like, hey, I never never really got that view of Jen before. My parents are pretty proud of it, too. So it's, it's gone parent viral. I'll say that. Did somebody <laughs> have to fish that camera out of there? No, that's the beauty of this technology is it's 
cheap enough that you can flush it away and not really have to worry about, you know, going back and getting that expensive camera back. It is quite, quite disposable. Wow. I know that uh, Dr. Debbie is going to be trying to figure that one out, how she can get a hold of one of those by the weekend. Well, I I was just going to say that I think it's kind of cool. You can say, hey, you know, these are pictures of my dogs. Aren't they cute? And hey, here, here's a look. Here's a picture of my colon. Totally. (laughs) I did another story for that show where we uh, took a photo, basically an electron micrograph, a very, very high-resolution microscopy image of the microbes that live in my gut. So I have a family photo of all of the different bacteria that live inside me. It's kind of cute, so I can show people. I love it. Here are my two dogs, here are my my one cat, and here's my several billion bacteria. Hmm. we got to take a quick break. We are with microbiologist Jennifer Gardy, and there's more on the way. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Here are today's automotive news headlines. I'm Nick Miles. Mercedes-AMG is getting ready to release its brand new GT four-door coupe, which directly goes up against the Porsche Panamera Turbo S. In a head-to-head, it looks like Mercedes may have the edge over the Porsche Panamera Turbo S. It does 0 to 60 miles an hour in 3.4 seconds, whereas the Mercedes-AMG has a registered time of 3.1 seconds. The most exciting thing about the Mercedes all-wheel drive performance dream car is that it has drift mode, which allows you to do donuts. And I did. For more, go to OurAutoExpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. This is Animal Radio. Celebrating the connection with our pets, it is Animal Radio. We're talking poo with Jennifer Gardy. She's a microbiologist, so we can do that. You got uh, the honor of actually checking out little Bub's poop recently, didn't you? I did get to check out little Bub's poop. So I've been involved with a company called Animal Biome for several years now. We actually started out as um, kind of an internet-funded, citizen science-driven project called Kitty Biome. Um, And this was a few years ago. We launched Kitty Biome. And the, the goal was really just to get people to send in samples of their cat's poop and we would use a microbiological technique to very quickly kind of take a census of all the different microbes, all the different microbial species that were present in that poop. So it's kind of like figuring out your pet's microbiome. And we wanted to get a little publicity for it and do something fun. So we thought, hey, we should get a famous internet cat's poop. So uh, Holly Gans, who founded Animal Biome and really kind of drove the Kitty Biome initiative, uh, she asked around the famous internet cat community and little bub who i'm sure everybody knows absolutely adorable cat uh little bub's owner volunteered her poop so we collected a sample of little bub's poop we did that initial analysis where we said hey you know let's see what type of microbes are in here kind of the hey you know hands up if you're here bacterial species count and we just finished doing a collaboration with a company in seattle where we took little bub's poop as step further and not only did we say okay well which microbes are in here but we were able to assemble their entire genomes that's basically assembling their entire dna instruction manual something that nobody had really done before Um, and we were able to actually discover 13 new bacterial species inside little bub's colon (laughs) it was pretty amazing so how does that help you and me uh the the general public uh (laughs) with their animals does it? That's a great question. It does, yes. Yeah. So 
people have been looking at their own microbiomes for some years. There's um, kits that you can order from companies like uh, Ubiome, like American Gut, where you can do your own sort of microbiome monitoring. And people are realizing it's actually a really interesting window into human health, especially if you're somebody that suffers from digestive issues. And we're just now realizing that we can do the same thing for our pets as well. Um, Holly was telling me a while ago that something like one in every nine American household pets is dealing with some sort of gastrointestinal difficulty. I mean, all of us that own pets have come home to a really awful mess at least once or twice in our lives. But for some pets, they're actually living with um, sort of the equivalent of, you know, pet irritable bowel syndrome or pet Crohn's on a daily basis. And so what we've realized is that some of the work that's Um, happened in humans around things like fecal microbiome transplants. If you've got a gut disorder that doesn't seem to be treatable, maybe the problem is with the microbes. So if we repopulate your gut with friendly microbes, get rid of the bad ones, we can often, in humans, resolve these sort of IBD or colitis-like symptoms. And it's looking like we can do the same thing in pets. So Animal Biome, one of the things we've done is um, collect samples from both uh, cats and dogs who uh, we call them our golden poos. They're from really healthy, happy animals that don't seem to have any sort of GI distress. They're always pooping out those perfect specimens. And we're able to take the microbes from those golden poops and use them as fecal microbiome transplant material for sick pets. And it works. It's amazing. We've turned a number of pets' lives around. I've heard about that at the fecal transplant, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, FMTs, we call them, fecal microbiome transplants. If people want to learn more, is there a website? Yeah, they can go to animalbiome.com. Biome is spelled B-I-O-M-E. And yeah, you can check out the kits. Um, The data from Little Bub is freely available. You can root through her data and see what type of report you get. There's just no privacy anymore. No privacy. And nobody. (laughs) (laughs) My cat, I've made his data available too. His name is Danny. And uh, when we were looking for a comparator cat for Little Bub, we thought, no, we might as well use Danny. So Danny, um, his analysis contributed nine novel species um, to uh, the wonderful world of microbiology. So yeah, between the two pets, you can explore 22 genomes from totally new bacteria, things we haven't really observed before. You can root around and um, look at other people's data. Many people have uh, elected to share their pet status. So you can browse around and see how does my pet compare to other pets? Is my pet healthy? Does my pet have lots of microbial diversity? Does my pet have less diversity? And it's really neat. It's kind of um, empowering people to learn a little bit more about their pets. Mm, all very interesting. And Go ahead. Something very interesting, Hal, is that with all of this work, I thought this was probably the most fun, is that they're, they're having a contest to name that bacteria. Oh, really? Yes, yes, exactly. Um, we're encouraging people to uh, jump in with their suggested names. They're members of the Clostridiales um, family of bacteria. So we're looking for names. I'm hoping Danny, my cat, gets his name in there. Clostridium Danii, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> wow. All fun stuff. We'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet. Jennifer Gardy, thank you so much for hanging with us and telling us all about that animal biome. 
My pleasure. Have a great day. It is time for us to get on out of here. But before we go, a couple things to tell you. Today is the last day of the Get Your Licks on Route 66 Adoption Tour. If you're in Kansas City, Missouri, we are at the Wayside Waifs at 3901 Martha Truman Road in Kansas City, Missouri. Of course, you can learn all about the Get Your Licks on Route 66 Tour by heading over to phytofriendly.com and selecting the badge that says Get Your Licks on Route 66. And if you happen to have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, check out Dr. Debbie's books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. They are Kindle books available over at Amazon. And of course, we have links to everything you've heard on today's show at animalradio.pet. And just hit the badge over there that says, as heard on Animal Radio. Have yourself a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.